0: And iShine founder, solo parenting expert, and all-around foodie, Mr. Robert Beeson. Join us each week as we explore and engage with some of the most intriguing, inspiring, outrageous, and awesome parents in the world. This is Brilliantly Brave.
1: Hi, and welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. I am your chipper host, Pastor Brad Matthias. Chipper. Chipper. Yep. Yeah. Like as in... Happy, as in happy, uh, C-H-I-P-P-E-R.
2: I got chipper. it, well thank you for spelling that out. I'm Robert Beeson, and it's great to be here today.
1: Robert is not chipper, he is damn. I'm extremely happy today. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm just but contemplative. You have a sour look on your face. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brad. Well, so as you know, if you're an audience, this is season three of Brilliantly Brave Parenting. Robert and I have been uh, bantering, which is another word that I like, back and forth. Uh, Over the last few episodes. Last 10 years. Well, yeah, last 10 years. Robert has a new book coming out, and so he's just got a lot going on. And by the time this podcast airs, it will have just hit shelves. So tell everybody right now, let's get it out in the open. What's your book, Robert? The book is called Going Solo.
2: It's Hope and Healing for the Single Parent. It's coming out on Focus on the Family. Yes, and I'm kind of proud of
1: him. Uh, Tyndale Publishing uh, with Focus on the Family. He's going to be on air on the national network He's going to be all over. You're going to see him on TV. He's famous now, and so you get a treat of having him still evolve with Brilliantly Brave Parenting, and I just want to make sure we get that out there in the open so I don't forget to do it later. Well, that's kind of you, Brad. I do my best. As much as I tease Robert, he's an awesome guy. I love him to death. He's a fantastic man of God, and he has a, a lot to share for those parents who are dealing with uh, solo solo struggle so absolutely well, yeah. i'm excited about our guest today this is going to be a great yeah let's episode. let's shift gears now we but
2: do we have a guest off air how much smarter he is than either you or i you or i so i can it, tell it, it he is, wears
1: glasses he's got a collared shirt and a sweater well, i wear glasses well his are his are cooler wow well, there's just there's a something scholarly about him
2: it is and Written tons of books, but we'll get into that in just a second. I'm excited about this interview.
1: I am too, and his website really impressed me. And uh, without further ado, I want to introduce Champ Thornton. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting, Champ.
3: Hey, Thank Champ. you. It's great to be here, Brad and Robert.
1: Yeah. So Champ is this guy I have never met personally. We just met online here a few minutes ago, but I've I've seen his books, and I met his publisher at the Children's Pastors Conference this year in Orlando. And uh, the book title that got my attention is The Radical Book for Kids. Hmm. And I took a look at the, the art design. I, I looked at just sort of the hipster vibe to that whole book. And the fact that you were dealing with substantive issues for tweens and preteens for got my kids, attention. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I can't wait to hear your story and kind of what you're up to and how you could be a help to the parents of this podcast. So yeah. give, give us some background on
2: how you got into this and how you, I mean, we've read your bio, but just for those to have stumbled across our podcast, how'd you get to where you're at right now?
3: Uh, well, my name is Champ and, uh, I've had that name since I was an infant. There's really nothing, uh, that I've done for that, that name. Hmm. Uh, I don't have any background in sports to speak of, uh, at least that I'd be willing to share, uh. <laughs> Um, My wife and I have been married for 22 years. We've got three kids, almost a 13-year-old son, and eight-year-old twins, a boy and a girl. So our life is hopping and exciting, and uh, it's great being a dad. Hmm. Uh, During the day, I serve as an associate pastor at a Baptist church in the state of Delaware. Delaware is one of those states that has the name written out in the Atlantic Ocean. And uh, we've been here for (laughs) (laughs) uh, just about six years now. And, uh, it's, it's great to serve the Lord, um, here, uh, our parenting journey right now, we are, um, in the middle of like the elementary and middle school years. And, uh, it's just, it's just a lot of fun. Been in ministry since 2003 and have been, uh, writing's been a part of that, uh, for about the last 10 years. Hmm.
1: Well, I can tell uh, in reading your bio that we have a lot in common. Number one, you're a UT Vols fan. That's important. Yeah, what's that about, living in Delaware and being a Vols fan?
3: Well, I kind of married into that. We really didn't have ah. sports teams in my family growing up. but So when I got married, uh, they were definitely into sports, and both my father and mother-in-law uh, went to the University of Tennessee, and so it's legit. I married in, and... Um, <laughs> It's not a great season to be a Vol fan, but, uh, you know. We still but you're
2: wise to stick with it because of the family.
3: That's exactly right.
2: So
1: you've been grafted into the Orange, which is what happened. Absolutely. It's yeah.
3: great. I love being a part of a team.
1: I have a son-in-law who graduated UT, and uh, he, you know, we just had our first grandson, his son, uh, with my daughter. And they immediately put him in, like, an Orange v- Vols onesie, like, mm-hmm. An hour old. There's something about the UT nation that just transcends what other people I experience. didn't understand
2: it. Moving from California, I was like, orange of all colors. Yeah. Really? You're going to
1: really wear that it's out? It's a thing. But now, like, yeah. I get it. And I'm, I'm from Illinois. We're a transplant. I've been here 15, 16 years. So I feel mm. like I'm sort of native. But man, when you come across a real UT fan, you realize Unstoppable. I'm not quite there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well It's a religion. Yeah, no, it is. It's a thing. And uh, they get 100,000 people to go to those football games, even when they're terrible. Mm-hmm. So that's amazing. Yeah. Well, Champ, I I know that you have been very active in the area of reaching kids with the gospel. In other words, this idea of transference of faith. The one thing on your your website, if you go to champthornton.com, the first thing that pops up is this phrase, that all generations might hope in God. And I can tell by your writing and just the titles of your books that you are very passionate about passing your faith on to your kids. And I know our audience would feel the same way. Can you tell us a little bit just about where that comes from, where that started?
3: Yeah, so my wife and I, we weren't sure we were even going to be able to have kids. And so our oldest didn't come along until we've been married about nine or ten years. So uh, just the fact that God has given us three Uh, of our own we're just we're just thrilled and thankful to the Lord Um, and then around the time I was 29 I had a blood clot and uh, pulmonary embolism and God spared my life and I realized that I had a genetic disorder that inclined me toward clotting so you know you're 29 you think you're invincible you're gonna live forever and then you have something that is literally life-threatening And it changes the way you think, changes the way you think about life, changes the way you think about your priorities. And so, you know, you combine those things together, children that you love with all your heart that God's given you. Plus, you know, you know, I, uh, my time on earth is, uh, short. And even if it's 80, 90 years old, it's Mm -hmm. still short. So, um, I wanted to be able to put things into writing that I could pass off to my own kids and in God's kindness, He's allowed it to go beyond that to other families as well. Hmm.
2: That's beautiful. Yeah. I, and usually, the the profound works that God does it starts at our home, and it and it and reveals His calling for us. Sometimes, I know for me, in my between my four walls, you know. So that's 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 fantastic. I want to just before you get to the next question here, Brad. I want to say something to our listeners. They are doing some construction apparently right below us. So if you hear a low hum. And champ, for you as well. That's not my stomach. It's, uh, they're <laughs> drilling or doing something downstairs. Yeah, it so it
1: could be mine. We I can't don't...
2: do anything about that. So just as a bite, there's just this. Side we, up. we
1: have very good mics in our studio, and unfortunately, they pick up everything. So our apologies for that. And in post production, hopefully we can clean it up. So champ, as you're talking, and I'm hearing the story about sort of your brush with mortality, um, this reality check, um, it's sort of, it sort of helps you simplify your priorities, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, absolutely. It makes you think that um, it thinks about the things that the Lord wants you to think about, because in some ways, you know, doesn't, uh, is it Ecclesiastes that says that it's better to go to a house of mourning than to a house of laughter. Mm. And so the Lord wants us to have fun. Of course, you know, he invented laughter. He created it. He wants us to enjoy things richly. And yet at the same time, he does want us to not live oblivious to the fact that uh, we are mortal. And so when he brings those things into our lives, um, you know, he uses those for our good as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I As I've looked at some of the book titles and I've looked at some of your blogs, um, you talk a lot about this idea that there is a, a need for us as Christians to plant these deep roots uh, for our kids to really give them a place to grow from spiritually. And uh, that that language, the way you're describing your faith, the way the ministry should form in the home, it, it sort of evokes in me an image of sort of legacy, this idea that goes back to the Psalms when David's talking about, you know, make me like a tree planted by this river. Um, tell us a little bit more about what the books are that you've written and why you wrote them.
3: Yeah, so uh, a couple years ago, I wrote a book called The Radical Book for Kids. You mentioned it earlier. Uh, If you go to Amazon and you search for books uh, that, um, like there's a book called The uh, Dangerous Book for Boys or The Daring Book for Girls, you know, it's like a hundred things that every boy or a girl ought to know or know how to do, and it covers all sorts of really fascinating topics, you know, The Seven Wonders of the Ancient World, uh, Five Things Every Boy Ought to Have in His Pockets. Uh, adventure stories, how to tie certain knots, you know, things like that. And it occurred to me that, you know, there's nothing like that out there for kids from a Christian perspective. And so that was sort of the, the genesis of the idea. And so the radical book for kids is 67 little mini chapters, all arranged in kind of a a grab bag kind of fashion that cover topics of interest, like, uh, uh, things relate topics related to the Bible. Chapters related to theology, chapters related to Christian living, like how we handle fear, how we handle anger, Mm. daily living, like how do you manage friends or how do you clean your room, Um, things like that, Uh, to biographies, little short chapters on men and women from church history or fun stuff, like how to make a sundial or a slingshot or a... 3,000 year old board game. So hopefully there's something there that draws kids in. And the idea there is that I want to give them enough information to make them curious. Curiosity is one of the greatest learning tools in life. Mm -hmm. So the book doesn't intend to be exhaustive. It's not encyclopedic. It's a starter kit for the Christian life. I want them to come in Soak in some of the basics, and then leave wanting to go and learn and read more to be lifelong learners.
2: Mm. That's fantastic. We talk about that idea of curiosity a lot here in the programs that we develop. Just more of inductive thinking rather than you know just telling or or instructing. And uh, we have found that the kids really resonate with that. As parents, I know as a parent, I know it's changed the way I look at teaching my kids, if I can lead them on a path to discover something by themselves, um, it it definitely sticks much more than if I just said something. I'm sure that in in the process of writing books, um, for for me in writing my book, it opened my eyes to things that I was missing. How, how has the process of writing these kind of books, and pass it on is another one, I read earlier, it's interesting, a side note that, that it was going to be called Words of Wisdom or something, and you didn't want to call it that because you didn't want to be like self-congratulatory or whatever. And I think that's kind of, that's pretty funny. But um, so. Yeah, I'm
3: 39. Let me, let me tell you about wisdom here.
2: (laughs) Right, right. But in, in, in being an author, you are expected to kind of pass on words of wisdom or like in the radical book for kids, what I'm interested in your personal life, because there's the persona that's out there. That's, that's uh, leading other parents and teaching. What has the process of writing these books done to your parenting style at your house
3: yeah so in some ways it's more about what parenting is done to books Hmm. Um, because like the the book you mentioned pass it on it's a devotional uh, on the book of Proverbs Hmm. and that book came about because I just realized I don't know the book of Proverbs like I need to. I mean, here's like 900 something verses that I'm supposed to be able to apply at the drop of a hat to any random situation in my family to help my child grow up in wisdom. How in the world am I going to do that? I don't hmm. have an encyclopedic file card uh, cabinet mm-hmm. kind of mind. And so I thought, well, I'm I'm going to learn Proverbs. And so I just uh, printed it off. Uh, bounded into a spiral bound notebook and just started chipping away and learning and praying and asking the Lord to show me and writing and thinking. And then eventually it became something that the publisher wanted to develop for others. But it really arose more out of my need uh, to shepherd my own heart well and shepherd the hearts of my children well.
2: Mm -hmm. I hear that. So in in looking at, you had said something a little bit off air about how your parenting style with your wife that you've developed and um, talk to us a little bit about that, where that came from and, and what it is.
3: You know, with parenting, I need something simple, something I can get my hands on that is portable throughout the day. And, you know, the Lord through prayer and seeking in his word led me to think about it this way in that. One of my goals for my children, my primary goal is that by the time they leave the house, that my wife and I want them to be living in reality with their lives and hearts synced up with what's really true about the world we live in. Mm. So, for example, it's portable at really any age. So for a two-year-old, reality is you don't play on the stairs, right? Mm -hmm. Because the reality is if you play on the stairs, there's a good chance you're going to get hurt. Uh, Or you don't uh, play around when mom's cooking, you know, around in the stove, in the kitchen. Um, So whatever it is, uh, even when they get older, you know, there's a way that God has made the world to work, right? Mm -hmm. And as someone has said, if you go against the grain of the universe, you're going to get splinters. (laughs) So. (laughs) <laughs> nice. We want our kids as they're getting older, we want them to understand like this is how you treat friends. If you don't if you gossip, it's gonna boomerang back around. Um, you know, as you get older, here is here's what the mall or commercials or television or other sources that aren't intrinsically bad, they're gonna be spinning sometimes it's not always evil and wicked and immoral, sometimes it's just not true. It's not hmm. it's fiction right. about reality. And we want to provide another narrative that says, well, here's what's really true about the universe that God has made. And his word shows us the way to that. There's another reality in this world, and it's not just how God made the world, it's how he came into the world. And So another reality is that we're sinners, that God sent his son to come and to die for our sins, and that he saves those who put their trust in him and take refuge in him. And so uh, all these are different realities of the world in which we live. And so we want our kids to live in that reality. And so that shifts and changes from day to day. Some realities are uh, need to be talked about on one day and, and other realities on other days. And so God's word uh, points us and states what these realities are. And so to me, that's just our little uh, easy shorthand way of saying, this is what we're trying to do with our kids.
0: Hmm.
1: Got it. So I can't help, uh, Champ, but notice as I've looked at the sort of progression of the books you've written that as your kids get older, the books are starting to get more complicated. Uh, (laughs) Like there's a there's definitely a parallel between what you're writing about and I think what you're experiencing as a parent. Is that true? Is that uh, yeah? And there's
3: I used to work for a Bible curriculum publisher a number of years ago, and so. Uh, I have a preschool Bible story book that's available. It's not on Amazon, but it's through them. And so, yeah, there's even more to the story. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. I know, uh, Robert and I have, you know, we, between us, we have nine kids and we're just a little bit ahead of you on the curve, but not much. And, you know, so the, the juggling between the pastoral role and then the idea that, that I'm sharing this journey in the writing, whether it's a blog or published work or a curriculum. The reality is that there's never that moment where you feel like, I've got this. This is, this is under wraps, and I have learned, quote, past tense, and I'm now able to teach. Um, that never happens. And so what we do share is this journey of parenting. And one of the things that I think our audience struggles with, uh, and I want to talk about it, the three of us, is this idea that the culture is winning, that we are losing this battle in our culture today over faith. And uh, one of the ways that comes out is the Barna statistics, uh, some of the orange work. These are all research groups that have said between 80 and 82% of our youth are leaving the church at high at the end of high school, and they make this decision somewhere around 13 years of age. So you've got a child now who's thir- about to be 13. You've got two eight-year-old twins um, and and we're in the middle of this culture war and it's this media driven uh as you put it narrative that our kids are being exposed to as a parent as a pastor where do you see the most strategic battle lies for parents
3: yeah i i think that's an excellent question and Perhaps it's an overly simplistic answer, and certainly no one answer is going to fit every scenario. Mm. So, uh, you know, sometimes the the best parents, you know, have the worst kid eventually, or you know, uh, vice versa. So, there's a there's all these caveats about, um, you know, what we think is is the wisest course. But at least from my limited experience, my my perspective and opinion would be that. The, the greatest asset that a parent can have in terms of helping preserve the faith and integrity of their children's faith is, uh, well, obviously first pray, because uh, ultimately no parent can change a child's heart. Only mm. the Lord can, can change and preserve and protect and nurture a child's heart. Uh, but then what parents also can do is to live humbly before their children. Uh, If my walk with Jesus is authentic at home and humble at home, and when I sin, I model what confession and repentance looks like. If I lose my temper, I become impatient. Uh, If I'm uh, seeking their forgiveness and showing them how to live in light of the gospel, I feel like that's just so much more important than showing them uh, that we're going to be you know, the good family, or we're going to be the balanced family, or we're going to be the um, the right uh, family, having the right opinions about all these issues. I mean, that's good. It's good to be a doctrinal family. But uh, if the child sees hypocrisy underneath that, or sees a, mm-hmm. a pride that fails to own up to one's own limitations, then um, I don't know how appealing Rightness and goodness and doctrinal orthodoxy is going to seem to a
1: child. Okay, I want to capture that and that write is it down. Powerful, yes, yeah, because that is exactly our heart. I mean, I, Robert and I are nodding our heads. I don't know that you can see this on uh, people who can watch on YouTube will see this, but, dude, yes, that's exactly right. I mean, as I asked that question, I had it in my mind the word authenticity. That is the thing that we see at in what we do as critical. And 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 especially with the pastoral or leadership world, when you're parenting and you're a leader in the church, there's such pressure on us to get it quote right. Um to dial this in and to, to be ha- the model family. Yeah, I mean, that's baloney. It's not going to happen. And so the idea then of the authenticity, the idea that we can actually model our faith in the messy and in the good and all that other stuff. What you just said was beautifully, beautifully phrased. And um,
2: I agree. And I think I'm jumping one of up the, and down. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, kind of jumping up and down, but um, in his heart, he's jumping up and down. Um, I think one of the, the the practical ways to be authentic is what you keyed in. And I love this. And that is being humble, humble before our kids. Um, there is something incredibly powerful about that. I mean, I don't, I think authenticity starts with humility. It has to, right? Because we have to own our own stuff and our kids seeing that is a bridge to actually having an authentic relationship. So what is that? You kind of alluded to it a little bit, but I, I, let's dive a little bit deeper into what that looks like in humbling ourselves before our kids. It Because we see ourselves, and we are, leaders of our homes. But for a, a, a listener out there that might be thinking, yeah, but I've got to show strength and I've got to show, you know, what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. And I've got to like, walk us through that, what that looks like in your home Modeling humility and just being humble for the sake of authenticity.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, authenticity doesn't mean I just let life happen and go, well, I'm just being authentic. You know, that it's just like the, it gives me permission to sweep all this dust under the rug. You know, that's Mm -hmm. not authenticity. Authenticity is, you know, I'm authentically trying to live the Christian life. Which means, if I'm really honest about it, it means I'm not perfect at it, mm-hmm. right? It's not I'm authentically not trying to live the Christian life.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's um, not a free pass.
3: Yeah. No, right. It's not a free pass. It's exactly right. So, um, authenticity means you try. You know. Um, so. The, the days of saying we're going to have family Bible time together, you know, six days a week. I mean, that's so far in the rearview mirror. I mean, authenticity says, I'm going to try for three times this week.
1: <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. right.
3: Yeah. You know, and I have young kids, so we're going to spend five minutes.
2: Mm. So you when, when you talk about humility, let me ask you this. Like, does that mean, is it humility just from a practical standpoint with our kids? Is that owning just when we fall short? in our relationship with them? Or would you say that it also includes sharing the areas that we fall short of just in being consistent or uh, that doesn't have anything to do with them? I'm asking, it's kind of a loaded question, but um, walk us through that a little bit, this idea of being humble before kids.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm humble and I'm proud of it. Um, (laughs) Right. Let me, let me tell you all about it. Um, I mean, joking aside, yeah, I'm not I mean, I have a proud heart, mm. right? So why when we talk about humility, what we're talking about is we're we're, we're living in reality. You know, yeah. there's a God and I'm not him. Mm. Yeah. And I'm uh I, I don't want to put on airs or pretenses mm-hmm. that I'm something that I'm not. Right. Yeah. I'm not the greatest dad ever. Right. So I, I shouldn't act like I am or get mad at my kids if they, you know, see through that and then they know that I'm not. So, um, you're just trying to live life in a way that is, um, you're trying to live the fruit of the spirit, you know, in front of them, call them to that, model that, have normal conversations, spend time in the word, um, talk about how, you know, this is what I was thinking about today when I had my time in the word that the Lord convicted me that I'm not thinking about, you know, A, B, and C, or that, Mm -hmm. uh, he reminded me how this aspect of what he's like, it perfectly helps me when I'm fearful or when I'm anxious or when, uh, I'm covetous. And so, you know, just, you're just sharing as appropriate, like what God's doing in your life and calling them to do the same. And when you mess up, you, you own up. And so, I mean, it's, it's um it's it's just normal Christian living in front of younger people.
1: man, it's so refreshing to hear you say that. I know in church culture there is this temptation to look for the checklist book, the bestseller on how to raise your kids, you know on how to deal with certain subjects, uh, how to be a good Christian. And so parents are looking for quick fixes when because that's how our culture tells us. You know that there's a there's a top five or there's a certain you know template. If you, if you, you just, only do these things, yeah. If then, you just you know. if you just follow this pattern, then this will happen. And the the truth is just a whole lot simpler and less exciting. Uh, and it and it comes down to what is happening uh, behind the closed doors of your home. Does it match what you're saying and what you're doing in public?
3: I mean, yeah, your kids don't need your to do list. You know, for parenting, <laughs> yeah. they need you. Right. You know, they need a a mom and a dad who are following Jesus uh, as best they can and as humbly as they can Mm -hmm. and calling them to do the same.
1: Uh, Absolutely. So um, man, champ, I really appreciate your heart and the way that you're sharing Uh, as a guy who's writing books. You know, I think the, the public perception of a parent could be that uh, if you're an author, if you're a pastor, if you've got background in, in teaching others about uh, the Bible, then you somehow are uh, ex- exempt from the stress and from the struggle that normal people have. And I think today's interview, in part, is sort of debunking that myth um, for parents to understand that their pastors and their leaders are all real people with real struggles and God is showing up in their lives, uh, faithfully to help them get through. Mm. It's very true. And it's important to know. Um, I, I really, uh, I think as we, you know, you made a statement, there's a, there's a God and I'm not him. And, uh, that whole statement has this huge influence on parents and in particular in the area of control. This idea that if things aren't going exactly the way I want, then I just need to tighten down. I just need to get a little firmer. I just need to get tighter in the discipline area. And I know, Robert, you and I, as our kids went into the teenage years, we had to learn that not all defiance is defiance. Sometimes mm-hmm. this is despair, mm-hmm. that the way our kids respond to that authoritarian sort of grip um, that, that is our sort of knee jerk, especially as dads. Uh, isn't always the right thing. Mm. And so the idea of humility, not only in being authentic, but also in, in being humble with the Lord, and what should I do here, mm. and really asking that question before we just use our logic, I know as a dad, that was a huge step for me. Have you had that experience, Champ?
3: Are you asking me or Robert?
1: I'm asking you, have you had that experience where you you sort of had a a common sense reaction to something, and then when you prayed about it, the Lord said, "Hey, I know that makes sense to you, but that's not right for this child."
3: Yeah, I think it's that's where good communication, often between mom and dad, where possible, is very helpful, um, and just being open to like what's working, what's not working, how am I really knowing my child? But you know, part of part of another governor on like how much control. Uh, should I be, you know, wielding here over the life of my child? Uh, is I think I want to go back to what I said earlier about trying to prepare them to live in reality. So if if reality out there is very structured and there are consequences if certain, you know, patterns or orderliness is not followed, then I don't serve them well by giving them free passes and letting them live in a loosey goosey structure of life mm-hmm. in that area because they're going to get out there and they're going to encounter reality. And they're going to have a very quick learning curve by people that don't love them nearly as much as I do. But on the other hand, if if they they don't need that much structure and I'm just overcomplicating their life because I like a quiet house or a neat house or, you know, whatever, then, um, you know, I'm it just depends. You have to kind of evaluate, like, what am I really doing here? What's the goal and what does my child need? I mean, if they are – if the child themselves show inclinations toward being orderly, then you know, we may have to watch about, you know, giving them – Uh, Assigning too much importance to orderliness, that you know we're we're uh, feeding an idol in their life already. Um, So I think you just have to like we have to be aware of the reality that we're living in in order to help our children live in that reality. Hmm.
1: That's good. You know we've been listening to Pastor Champ Thornton, uh, author, blogger, um, curriculum writer, and dad, Um, and the insight and the humility in which you're sharing it with. Is very refreshing, uh, honestly. Um, Robert, you and I have interviewed a lot of people. This is our third season. And sometimes people really sort of believe that they've got an edge on others in how they're going to parent. Right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't get that sense from our guests. Today no, at I know. It's been wonderful
2: talking to you. And yeah. I, I, I admire so much your pursuit of authenticity. And, and like you said, a real life, dealing with life, um, preparing our kids for what life looks like on the other side of these four walls, and because this is really where that all all happens, is in our house. And and if we're not modeling, again, back to the authenticity, if we're not modeling how to react and how to handle a world which is hostile towards Christian beliefs, if we're not modeling that, then we're not setting them up to continue the faith in their own lives. So I appreciate very much your work and um,
1: and you spending time with us today.
3: Yeah. Thank you so much, Brad, Robert.
2: Thank you,
1: it's Champ. Great to be with you. Yeah, Enjoyed God bless it. you. And for those who just uh, are sort of about to sign off, please go check out Champ's website, champthornton.com. He has several books, especially for your kids if they're in the preteen years, uh, about to enter the teen cycle. He's got some great stuff. Absolutely. Thanks for being here with us. Yeah, thanks again. What our kids believe is going to define them for a lifetime. According to George Barnum, by the age of 13, what a kid believes is what he'll die believe. It is a fantastic resource that I have used as a pastor in my own home church, and I have been impressed. So, check it out. Check it out. Well, Robert, we just got a chance to uh, speak with Champ. I love that name, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, um... and then his image, for those who watch on uh, YouTube, you're going to see, this guy is scholarly. I mean, he's got the glasses and the, the, the whole look, right? Well, if you measure someone by the outward appearance, then
2: yeah. Well, sometimes up, I do. But also by the intellect. Sometimes I intellect.
1: do. But you can tell he's serious about books. You can tell he's serious about education, and he's thoughtful, and he's well-read. I mean, this is not just impulsive writing. I mean, this no, is somebody who's actually – very deliberate about what he yeah, does. Yeah, exactly. I enjoy talking to him, and I, and I loved
2: his – constant pursuit of authenticity and and preparing our kids for the the real life so i'm i'm grateful to have his insight
1: well with my medical background uh the the whole history of pulmonary embolism that's that's a serious thing Mm -hmm. and uh the the fact that at 29 he had to really face death um i can tell That was a transformative moment in his life. And so everything has sort of flowed from that. Mm -hmm. And so he talks older than he is. He thinks older than his generation. I mean, everything about him is more mature. I mean, he seems like someone older than us, right? Certainly more mature than I am. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Definitely.
2: Definitely. But great insight, and there there is energy to, I think, his approach to, to everything. Obviously, he's written so many books, and he just continues to go. And um, someone that is watching his own life and pulling from his own home to help others, I think, is always admirable, and I'm really glad he was here.
1: I am, too. And I think if you're in the Delaware area, you should probably look this guy up, maybe – Go listen to him live somewhere at his church. We'll have his information on our website. Uh, his his website is very good, and it has uh, some very thought-provoking blogs. I agree. Um, really good stuff um, about his books. I mean, the, the books have very specific goals. They're not just another great idea. I mean, he's very much equipping his kids for life outside of the home. I know for our audience that that should resonate with them. I agree. I I think we're all wanting to equip our kids. One of the things that was so refreshing is the fact that when we got down to the nitty gritty, when it was okay, what is this thing that we can do as parents? His response was to live humbly. Mm -hmm. Um, That's pretty unusual for pastors, right? But it's, it's spot on. I think it
2: is right. I've seen that in my own. So,
1: you know, one of the things you and I say a lot is that, you know, if, as broken parents, how can we expect to have perfect kids? Mm-hmm. You know, this whole idea that we're expecting some outcome that's impossible. Right. And because we have a Christian faith and we drop our kids off at church, that somehow they're going to avoid all of the pitfalls of life. Yeah. is just, that's not. Because God uses mess to to transform yeah, our he lives. he really does. In, in our kids' lives as well as ours. Yeah, and so he kept saying over and over that I'm trying to, to speak another narrative Mm -hmm. to my kids about the reality of the world. Um, I I think as we examine culture and we think about how Christians exist in a hostile culture of the post-Christian era, this is a very good podcast Mm -hmm. for people who want to think about that. They want to process that. They need something practical and simple that they can do with their kids. These books that he's doing are meant to be done together. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially that pass it on the idea of Proverbs. And, yeah. uh, it's a journal format. There's a cool little video on his website that parents can watch with their kids and go, Hey, what, let's go through that. Yeah. What a great introduction to studying scripture. And then not just understanding that scripture is relevant, but that it's, that it's helpful in today's life. Yep. The Proverbs are a great way to start outstanding. That. I agree. Couldn't agree more. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today's edition of Brilliantly Brave Parenting. Uh, We are grateful you're here. Please go to our Facebook or social media site and like us, follow us, and share it with a friend. We'll talk to you soon.
0: Parents, remember, even if you may not feel brilliant or brave, you are. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I am convinced that He is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 13. This podcast is a service of iShine Ministries and the Tween Gospel Alliance. All rights reserved. Donations to Brilliantly Brave are tax-deductible at iShineLive.com. Review and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, or on our webpage. And read our blog and connect with us at wordpress at brilliantlybrave.com. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Brilliantly Brave. Between. Check us out at iShineLive.com.
3: Hey, parents and grandparents, this is Zach Fay, creator of Light Gliders, a digital game world of Christian faith and fun. The critical years to impact kids for Christ are before the age of 13, and kids are spending more time digitally connected than ever before. Light Gliders was created to redeem this time and to encourage faith values and meaningful conversations among the kids you care about visit us today at lightgliders.com or download the light gliders app